Good morning, Rose Bower. It's good to see everybody smiling faces in God's house today. Let's begin and worship all standing and singing all creatures of our God and King. Creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him. Alleluia. so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven along, oh, praise him, alleluia, thou rising morning, praise rejoice, ye lights of evening, find a voice, oh, be seated. I've been speaking in public is um, one of the most common fears that people have, and my wife would testify to that. She is deathly afraid of speaking in public, and uh, sorry to call you out, honey, (laughs) but I would bet that singing in public would probably rank a little bit higher than speaking in public. Um, It's also difficult for us to, to to speak about our faith. We actually talked about this in Sunday school this morning, sharing our faith. And it's difficult sometimes to have that one-on-one conversation with people about our faith and, and Jesus for many reasons. But, um, you know, imagine trying to share your faith with a crowd of people, you know, 150 or so people. Man, that's rough, right? So when you put singing and singing about your faith, um, in front of 150 people, you know, it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Most of y'all don't have to worry about that too much up here because, uh, you, you know, you don't come up and sing, but it, it gets nerve-wracking. I got a lot of gray hairs because of that kind of stuff, but it is a testimony of our faith in Christ, our Savior, for the world to see. So with that being said, I'm going to ask Tyler to come up here. He would like to worship this morning with a song titled, Who Am I? by Casting Crowns. This is one of my most favorite worship songs because it speaks to God's greatness and omnipotence. He is sovereign over all things in the universe, yet he still desires a relationship with you and I. And we are nothing in this world, but he is everything. 
We are his, and he calls us his own. And that is so very, very encouraging. So thank you, Tyler, for being willing to come up here and, and worship with us.
Good morning. Welcome to Rosebower Baptist Church. We're glad you chose to be here with us today. And thank you, Tyler. I'm going to go over, sorry, <laughs> our March memory verse. And it's funny the way it starts. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And this is Revelation 21.4. And if you read the rest of this chapter, it, it tells you that um, there's a new heaven and a new earth. The old things pass away. And the thing that stood out to me most this week when I was looking at this verse is the part where it does say, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And it's not just that we have the hope of this future when we accept Christ as our Savior, of no more death and no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, but that he personally wipes the tears from our eyes. He's very gentle and compassionate and loving. And um, I'm thankful for that. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father God, we just thank you for the hope that we have because of Jesus. We thank you for this hope where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, where you will wipe the tears from our eyes. We thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us this church family to worship in today. We pray that we would find your love and compassion among the people here, but we pray mostly that we will hear from you here, Lord. We just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Brother Justin and how you've, I know you've spoken to him this week. I pray that you strengthen him for the words you've given him. I pray that our worship will please you this morning. And we thank you for your love, for changed lives, and um, for hope. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. All right. We're going to continue in worship this morning. Um, I'm going to kind of extend what Miss Lisa was saying. This next song that we're going to sing, um, Yes, I Will. You know, our memory verse from, from March and so much scripture in the Bible gives us encouragement. That's what it's meant to do. Give us hope for the things that are yet to come. Yes, I Will is a great song, just a simple song to encourage you. During those times when you're in your valleys and you have no hope, remember God. God is in control. God is sovereign over all things. So let's all stand and let's sing, Yes, I Will. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same god who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out oh yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i Bless your name. 
joy when my heart is heavy and all my days oh yes I will and I count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. In the lowest valley, and yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy and all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I to me. 
from danger interposed his precious blood oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a feather bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart lord take and seal it seal it for thy above all else I adore your name above all else tune my heart to sing your praise above all else I adore time where the kids come forward go to children's church we got one more song we're going to worship with the song of the month it's the last time Take what I have known and 
this time we have to worship you. God, help us to understand that all we could learn about you and all we could sing about you will never be enough to truly tell us who you are. Thank you that you're a God so big that we will spend forever learning more about you. Thank you that you're always big enough for our problems, our worries, our frustrations, that you're big enough to give us the biggest joys, to give us the best circumstances and plans that we could never make for ourselves. Thank you that you are bigger and you are high above it all. And God, we trust you with this time. We trust that you will bring a word to us. You say that if we seek you, we will find you. So we know that if we seek you in your word, we will hear from you. And we thank you for that. God, we love you and trust you with this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 12. We'll begin reading verse 1 in just a moment, but John chapter 12, we're going to continue in our study of the gospel of John. And in our passage this morning, we see a party, all right? In the passage, we see a party, and now everybody loves a party, right? There's nothing bad about a party, uh, whether, and no matter what kind of party it is, whether it's a birthday party um, whether it's a graduation party, a gotcha party, a wedding party, an anniversary party. Parties are fun. Parties are enjoyable. We love parties. At parties, there's people that you like and you enjoy, and people that you have conversations with. Sometimes there's this fun at the party, but my favorite for every party is they have cake. <laughs> All right? Like, it ain't a party unless you have cake. Then it is a party, and it, 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 no matter who's there or what's going on or what's not happening, what the gifts are, if you got cake, it's going to be a good party, okay? Or that's just my take on parties anyway. You might have a different take. But we enter into a party this morning in John chapter 12, and it's a resurrection party, right? They're, they're having a party or a supper because Lazarus has been raised from the dead by Jesus, and they think that's something to celebrate. <laughs> and so they're gathering together, having this party where Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead in order to reveal that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, who was promised by the prophets in the Old Testament. They're celebrating this resurrection, and the text tells us about who are present at this party. They tell us about Jesus, Lazarus, Simon, Martha, Mary, and Judas. And this is one week before the death of Jesus. We're a little over halfway through the Gospel of John. And we're entering into the last week of Jesus' life. And this morning, we're at a party. 
So look with me in John chapter 12. If you would stand with me, we're going to read, begin reading in verse 1. It says this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always, you do not have always. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for the word that you've given us this morning. We thank you for the ways that you're working in our midst even now. We're not even aware of God. We know you're moving, we know you're working, and we thank you for that. Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of your Spirit that you'll speak to our hearts and to our lives through your Word. Teach us, train us, transform us to be more like you even this morning. Bind Satan from this place. Have your will in your way, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We pick up in our text this morning, and the, those who are present, it's fascinating to me. First of all, we're told about Simon, and, and so this, is, this account of this party that is going on is told in Matthew and Luke as well. And what we learn from those passages, the party is actually held at Simon's house. Simon once was a leopard. <laughs> I mean, he had leprosy, okay? And it was Jesus who healed him of his leprosy. And so this is where the party is being held at. It's at Simon's house, a Simon who was a leper. And then you have Lazarus, who had just been raised from the dead. Can you imagine the conversations that are going on at this table and at this party that is going on at Simon's house? I mean, can you imagine just uh, Simon so excited to be able to host a party at his house? Can you imagine the stories that he has about the time when he had lesions and bulls that were on his skin and he had to walk around and he had to call out, unclean, unclean, so that no one would come around him, so that they wouldn't catch and because it was contagious and he had to holler out and make sure no one came around him. He could never be at a party. He could never be with other people. He had to be a distance. He was left to himself. He was sick in this painful, awful, dreaded disease. But now, he said, look at my skin. It's gone. Look at my house. It's filled with people. We're having a party in my house where I could have never associated with people. Look what God Jesus has done. He's healed me, and now I'm with all these people. What an amazing testimony. 
And then Lazarus says, get this. <laughs> the other day, I was dead. I was in the tomb. I was buried. My body was decomposing so much so that it was stinking. Now look, I'm here with you. I'm alive. My heart beats. I have air in my lungs because of Jesus. Simon said, okay, you win. <laughs> you know, you win. Like, I, I don't, that, that's an amazing story, right? Simon has been healed. Then you have Lazarus. But here's the thing. So get this. Lazarus, who's sitting at the table, who's been healed, been raised again because of Jesus. Here on planet Earth, we as believers are just like Lazarus. Right? You know, people were coming miles to see, look, this is the Lazarus, the one who was dead but now is alive. Do you know that is true of you? That if you've been saved from your sins, that you have been born again by the Spirit of God, and that now you are in Christ, you have been raised from the death of your sin, and now you have life in Christ, and now you are a witness of Jesus just by being Right? Your very presence is a witness of Christ because Christ is in you by the Spirit of God and you, everywhere you go, are a witness to Christ Jesus. So in a way, we're like Lazarus, but Lazarus sitting at the table, conversations, absolutely wild. Then you got Jesus, the author, creator of the universe, who is there and he's in the presence, in the midst of this house. Then you have Martha. Martha is doing what she does best. Martha is serving. There is nothing that brings more joy and more gladness to Martha's heart than serving Jesus and serving others. And so we see Martha doing what she does. She's in her element and she's serving the guests and she's serving Jesus and she is absolutely having the time of her life. And then we see Mary once again, Mary, you find her at the feet of Jesus. Three times in Scripture, we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. Once she's there, she's learning from Jesus. Later, we'll see she's at the feet of Jesus, grieving his death. And then here, she's at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. Mary, just as Martha, her joy was found in serving Jesus, Mary's joy was found in worshiping Jesus and being at the feet of Jesus. Mary is having the time of her life, but say the least, this party is filled with some fascinating guests. And then you have Judas. You have Judas, one of the disciples, one who is there on this guest list, and we're going to learn more about him today, right? What a team that is made that is put together in this house of just basically believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, coming from different backgrounds, different gifts and different abilities, coming together in order to accomplish a purpose. Every one of them was there to accomplish a purpose, right? Just like you are here on planet Earth to accomplish a purpose. You have been created by God Almighty for a specific reason, for a specific purpose, for you have been loved by God, you have been created by God, and He has a purpose for you to accomplish for the kingdom of God. You have a kingdom purpose on planet Earth, and we are to work together as God's children 
to advance the kingdom of God for God's glory. We are to work as a team. The team aspect is really important. As Kendra's been talking about for this entire month of March, about uh, March Madness and college basketball, and now I have become a St. Peter's fan. Believe it or not. All right, St. Peter's. Never heard of them. But go St. Peter Peacocks. You got 10 different players on that court that you never heard of before in your life. Some of them you can't even pronounce their names. And they are really nobodies that are come together to make up an awesome team. What makes a team important, or what makes a team good, is not necessarily how great one athlete is on the team, but the willingness to sacrifice for another and the willingness to be unselfish. Paxton is on a little basketball team. She's in second grade, and she's on this little basketball team. That's where you begin the journey of trying to teach to be unselfish, right? This is a lifelong journey that we're beginning with Paxton. The other day, they were having their final practice, and they were having this competition in practice. It was basically, I don't know, four on four, three on three, something like that. And whoever won didn't have to run. And whoever lost had to run. So Paxton was on the team that won, and she was super excited, because my kids don't like to run, <laughs> and so she's super excited, and so she's celebrating the win, and one who was on her team, like the little three or four that beat the other three or four, one who was on her team went and got on the line with the team that lost and was going to run with them, and the coach says, wow. What a good teammate. And Paxton turned around and said, good for her, and walked off. <laughs> she don't have that good teammate down yet, right? We kind of see that moment. And, and I did ask Paxton if I could use her for our sermon illustration today, okay? so And I've got one more, you'll see later. Um, but we kind of got that teammate in Judas that we're going to see today. There's two things in this passage that I want you to notice because the focus begins on two main individuals that I want us to focus on, even of all the guests that were there and all that were witnessing. And the first thing I want you to see is one is devoted. One is devoted. We're going to look at Mary and we're going to look at Judas. Mary is the one who is devoted. The focus of this passage is an extravagant gift that Mary gives to Jesus. Some people would say, what makes a party is a gift, whether you have a gift or not. But Mary comes to this party, and she's not shorthanded. She comes with a gift that she wants to give Jesus, and it's an extravagant gift. And when we read this passage at first, it's hard for us to understand what Mary is doing as she takes what we're told is very expensive oil and pours it on the feet of Jesus. And then she uses her hair to wipe and clean the feet of Jesus with the oil that she poured on Jesus. And this don't make a lot of sense to us in the moment. And truthfully, it didn't fully make a lot of sense to Mary in the moment. What we see in this passage is God is using Mary... He's orchestrating to use Mary to do something that she don't fully even understand why at this moment, but in order to honor Christ and to prepare him for his burial that is to come within six days. 
In this culture, a woman would have never let her hair down in front of men. She would have never interrupted a meal of men who were sitting and reclining at the table. But Scripture constantly takes the norms and the social standards of the day and turns them upside down, as we see here. Anointing with oil that we see in Scripture is used for two primary purposes. One is to anoint authority, such as kings. Another one is to anoint things, such as like the tabernacle. And so here, and in each and every case, when you're anointing someone or something, it is in order to set something apart in devotion to God, in order to do a work for God. And so Mary is anointing Jesus with oil as a way to prepare him for his upcoming burial of his death on the cross. And this is a picture of Mary who is truly devoted to Christ, that is willing to sacrifice everything she has in order to get Jesus. This is Mary's heart. This is, her, this is her action of worship that she comes to Jesus willing to sacrifice everything in order to get more of him. So one is devoted, and we see that in Mary. But the second thing I want you to see, one is deceived. One is deceived. The first words we hear here from Judas in all of Scripture, like we all know Judas on this side of Scripture. We know that Judas is a betrayer. Uh, we know that Judas is the one that betrays Jesus. We know that Judas is the one that is, now he tells us the scripture is a thief from the treasury that is taken for himself. So we know that now, but this is our first picture of getting to understand that Judas is deceived. Up until now, Judas has successfully hidden the darkness of his heart from those around him. Up until now, Judas has successfully hidden the darkness and the sin in his heart from himself. But, Jesus, but Judas could not hide the darkness of his heart from Jesus. He could hide it from a lot of people, but he couldn't hide it from Jesus. He could deceive a lot of people, but he couldn't deceive Jesus. Judas responds, so Mary comes and breaks this expensive oil and breaks it over his feet and pours the oil on his feet and she uses her hair to wash and to clean the feet of Jesus. And Judas's response that he can't hold back is what a waste. What a waste. How could you take this expensive oil and waste it? I mean, why didn't you go and sell it? and give to the poor. These are the first words from Judas. This oil that, or perfume that was poured on Jesus is very costly, as the gospel tells us. And Judas criticizes Mary for her devoted act for her worship. In his mind, there was no reason to empty a valuable bottle of oil on Jesus' feet. Now, if we look at Mark and Luke, what it also tells us is that one of them tells us it was on his head. So it was one, most likely she probably started with his head and went all the way down to his feet preparing for preparer. Right? And so Judas is saying, what a waste. 
In his mind, there was no reason to empty a valuable bottle of oil on Jesus. But Judas missed the significance of this expression. As he does this, as he's missing the significance of the expression from Mary, he is demeaning and devaluing Jesus. He is devaluing Jesus. It was almost as if Judas was saying, Jesus isn't worth this much amount of money. It was almost as saying is that he wasn't worth this perfume. He wasn't worth this money. He wasn't worth this devotion. He wasn't worth this sacrifice. And what we learn in Scripture is that Judas was not the only one who thought this way. When you look in the other accounts of Matthew with Mark, what it, what it tells us there is the other disciples agreed with Judas. He wasn't the only one with these thoughts. He wasn't only one voicing these complaints and criticism. No, the other disciples agreed with Judas. Now, they would never say Jesus wasn't worth this amount of money. They would never say that Jesus wasn't worth this much love. They, or or that, that what they would say is that I just think we could spend this money in a different way. For a better purpose is what they would have said. And that's what Judas said, right? But get this, in their efforts to value the oil and how great the value of the oil was, in their efforts to value the oil, they missed the value of Christ. Their focus was on how much money was spent and they missed how great Christ really was. And the truth is, we do this on a daily basis. We are always checking the cost. We are always checking the prices of things. We're living in a day and time where inflation is skyrocketing. Prices is skyrocketing. Who knows where, what the future holds on price and cost. But if we're not careful, in the midst of pricing things, we'll miss the value of Christ. And there's many examples of this, and, and, and this is not so much to us individually, but even to us as a church, as a whole. That we can, if we're not careful, be so worried about cost of materials, we can be so worried about our money, we can be so worried about our time, our talents, and our devotions. Think of it this way. Isn't it amazing how we always have time for the things that we want to do? That is... We always have time for the things we prioritize. But when it comes into diving into God's word, many times we say, I just don't have time. I didn't get around to it today. When it comes to spending time alone with God and praying to God, being devoted to God, telling other people about Jesus... Many times what we'll find ourselves saying to ourselves is, I just don't have time. I didn't have time today. I'll do it tomorrow. But let's go back one step. We make time for the things that we value. We take time for the things that we prioritize. And what God's Word says is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What He's telling us is, Make God a higher priority in your life than anything else in your life. 
Make God a higher value in your life than anything else in your life on planet earth. Value his word higher than gold or treasure. Because in the word of God is the wisdom of God and the direction to abundant life that leads to a life of joy, a life of love, a life of peace, a life of fulfillment, a life of satisfaction. It is found in the word of God. And what the Bible tells us is to value it, value him above all other things. You see, we're constantly filled with questions in our life, in our daily walk. We, we wonder, God, what should I do here? What should I do there? God, where should I go here? Where should I go there? What should I do here? What should I do there? And what the Bible says is you'll find answers. Where you find answers is from God in His Word. And so Mary gives this extravagant gift. John says it was very expensive, 300 denarii is the number that is listed. A denarii is equivalent to a day's wage, meaning the bottle of oil equaled a year's earning. So in Judas's eyes, it was someone wasting or throwing away a full year's paycheck. $50,000, It was as if they just lit a match to it, and watched it burn in Judas's mind. See, Judas was confused, because why? Judas was only thinking about himself, right? Judas was thinking about himself, and truthfully, when we're all born, we're all born sinful, we're all born self-centered, we're all born selfish, just like Judas. I'll tell you a little story about Paxton as well, another illustration on her, I asked her permission, so we'll see. The other day, my boys had to go, Knox and Jackson, had to go to Nashville, had a couple doctor's appointment on the same day, and so Kendra was taking the boys, they're going, two doctor's appointment, Paxton's going to school, but she had some instructions for Kendra before she left. She said, now you can take them to the doctor, and you can take them to eat, but you take them to a Dairy Queen. Don't take, any, don't take them anywhere nice like Taco Bell. I really like Paxton. You know that? <laughs> Date nights with Paxton, I can handle, right? I'll take her somewhere nice to the Taco Bell. So she gave strict orders. Why? Because she was afraid she was missing out. She was afraid they were going to get something that she wasn't going to get. That is the heart of Judas here. He was afraid he was missing out. That because guess what the, the, the scripture just said? That if they would have sold that and gave it to the treasury, who would have got it? Judas. He was a thief that was stealing from the treasury box that was there. And so he's only thinking about himself and he's only thinking about what's in it for him. And when we're born in this world, we're just like Judas. We're born selfish and we think about ourselves and our sinfulness. And what we desire the most. So Judas, in his selfishness, is absolutely confused why Mary would ever make this expensive, extravagant gift for Jesus. You see, women were not able to have jobs to provide this type of income, this oil that she had in her possession. So most likely, this was a family heirloom or an inheritance she had received. This is basically her retirement plan. 
This is all she had to live on and to have in the days going forward was this very expensive oil. And she takes this valuable possession and she breaks it and freely gives it to Jesus. Notice the language that is used in the text that she poured it on Jesus. She poured it on Jesus. She didn't dab it on Jesus trying to save or spare all that she could so she could have a reminder, a remainder of her retirement account. But she poured it freely and fully on Jesus and then began to use her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. This demonstration is both a demonstration of generosity and it's a demonstration of her faith. The truth is, you will not have faith and not be generous. You might be generous and not have faith, but you cannot have faith and not be generous at some level. Judas throws a fit. Throws a fit. Mary is operating under obedience of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and she is met with opposition. Now we know because Scripture teaches us that when we obey the commands and call of Jesus that you will be met with opposition. They will come at you. We know that. We believe that. We expect that because we see it in Scripture. We're told. But this is the times that it always surprises us. Because she's met with opposition. But who is she met with opposition from? Judas and the disciples. It's not the Pharisees. It's not the Sadducees. It's not the unbelievers or the outside world. But it's the disciples who've walked with Jesus, who talk with Jesus, who love Jesus, who love Mary. We get Judas to agree because on this side we know Judas was a betrayer. But the disciples even miss what is going on. And Jesus responds to the criticism made by Judas and disciples and says, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done this beautiful thing to me. You always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Get this. The criticism that is made from Judas tells us more about Judas's heart than it does about the criticism that he shares. Right? And that's how it always goes. In a day and time where everyone's a critic and everyone's criticizing, anytime, just remember this, anytime you criticize someone else, the criticism always says more about you than the one that you're criticizing. It tells you more about your heart. It tells others more about you and your heart. And that's what we see here. His criticism told us more about Judas than it ever told us about Mary. Judas and his criticism teaches us he deceived others. Others thought he was a disciple, a true believer, Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but he deceived himself. He deceived himself. He was one of the good guys. But he did not deceive Christ. He looked the part. He spoke the part of a disciple. Get this, he could have even backed up his criticism with Scripture. Of giving money to the poor. See, the Bible says, give money to the poor, care for the poor. He could have said, look what Scripture says. His criticism could have been backed up by Scripture, but his motive was self-seeking. His motive was self-centered. He was only concerned with what he could get from Jesus. And so Judas looked good on the outside. 
He seemed to be moral. But we learn money and possessions were more important to him than Jesus. So much so that later on he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's four months wages. We're talking here a full year's wages. Here in just a few days, he, here in just a few, a few passages later, that he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Four months wages. These are the first words of Judas saying he should have, Mary should have sold that and gave to the poor. You know what his final words were? Matthew 27, Judas, and says, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he went and hung himself. The Bible says that Judas was remorseful. He was remorseful for what he had done to the innocent blood of Jesus. But the Bible never says he was repentant. There's a difference between being filled with remorse and being filled with repentance. And Judas went and hung himself. And we know how the story ends there. So Judas looked apart. He looked good on the outside. He seemed to be moral. But money meant more to Judas than Jesus ever did. So let's step back and let's have this takeaway real quick. The takeaway from the passage this morning is this. It is a warning for all of us who are in this room this morning. This warning is not for an outside watching, outside watching a lost and dying world. Unbelievers, this is not a warning for unbelievers. This is a warning to the religious. The warning is this. It is possible that we can look the part. It is possible that we can act the part. Go to church. Sing. Do. We can look the part, we can act the part. Get this, we can even believe that we are okay with Jesus. We can believe that we are okay with Jesus. Why? Because what the Bible says is the heart is deceitfully wicked. And your heart has the power to deceive yourself thinking that everything is okay. That's what happened with Judas. Judas looked the part, he acted the part, he believed the part, he believed he was righteous. When in reality, his heart had deceived others, his heart had deceived him, but his heart would never deceive Jesus. The warning is this, is to examine our heart and our life. Do I truly know Jesus and is he a priority in my life? How do we answer that question? See, the main difference between Mary and Judas, one was a believer, one was not. One gave up everything for Jesus, and the other gave up Jesus for everything. And the question is, which one most reflects your life? Examine your heart, examine your life. We're not asking, are you perfect? We're not saying, do you fully, you know, there's no one in here on planet Earth that makes Jesus the priority that they should. Okay, so we're not saying that you can perfectly make him a priority. We're saying where is the desires in your heart to lift up Jesus, to make him a priority, to read scripture, to pray and to do those things. Is that the priority in your life? Because that notice how Mary lived it out. Mary lived it out right in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas did not disobedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question is, which one more reflects your life? Which one more reflects your life? I pray 
that it is obeying the Lord Jesus Christ, growing close to Him in His Word, and telling others about Him. That's what it looks like to live out the Word of God in the world around us. Let us pray. Lord, we love You and we praise You. We thank You for this time in Your Word this morning. And Lord Jesus, it is a powerful passage. Lord, I pray that You make it clear to our hearts and to our lives, God. Lord, I pray that in this moment that we have an opportunity to examine our hearts. We're not looking for perfection. We're asking the question, does Jesus rule and reign in our heart? We answer that question with a test that Scripture gives us. The obedience test, are we obeying you in the best way we possibly can? Not perfectly, but are we obeying you in your word? For those who love you, obey your word. Lord, the spirit test, the spirit of God in our hearts and in our lives, do we, we sense his conviction when we sin and fall short of your glory? Spirit in our life. Love test. Do we love others in the way that you have loved us? Do we have compassion and desire for others to know you, to love you, to serve you? Lord Jesus, I pray today that you'd make it clear in our hearts that we are in a right relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you'd use this message, God, to confirm in our hearts that we are in a right relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would encourage us and thank you for the salvation that you made available through your son, Jesus. Lord, that we now can go into a lost and dying world and tell others about you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the confirmation this morning. And I pray that you use it to encourage us, to strengthen us, to go out into this world. But for the one who is here this morning that looks the part, that acts the part, that believes the part, but Lord Jesus have only deceived themselves and deceived others. God, I pray that you use this time to convict them of their sins and draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray that they may not just be remorseful for the life that they're living like we see in Judas, but Lord, I pray that they may be repentant, that they may turn to you before it's everlasting too late and repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior of their life. That we, with all the angels in heaven, may celebrate that one sinner is willing to repent and call upon the name of Jesus. God, we pray for that even now. For it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you stand? Jim Holloway's class, will you come and help me pray for the lost this morning? If you're in Jim Holloway's Sunday school class, would you mind coming? We're praying for the initials of DS and DW, people who are not in a right relationship with Jesus. If you would like to come, will you come and pray? Let us respond.
Thank you so much for your attendance and your presence this morning. I pray that the Word of God may encourage you. Uh, the Word of God is not meant to beat you up in any way. It's meant to strengthen you, lift you up, and encourage you to turn around. We always refer to Sunday mornings like the corner of a boxing ring. All right? When you go out into this world, it's like you are in a fight every day of your life. But in that moment, that few seconds, that when the bell rings, you go back to your corner and they pull out the stool and you get to sit down for a minute. Right? You're tired and you're worn out. And the trainer comes out and gives you some water. And then he tells you how good you look. <laughs> right? Oh, you're looking great out there, man. You got him this round. And then he tells you a few techniques and turns around and sends you back out. Right? That's kind of what we believe Sunday mornings to be. A time of encouragement, a time of strengthening, a time of challenging, and then a time to send out into the world around us. So I pray that you view the Word of God and the Gospel of John as that this morning. Uh, our mission highlight this week is the Gideon's Ministry. Um, Rosebrier Baptist Church has a rich history of partnering with the Gideon Ministry uh, for many years and have many Gideons within the church uh, that has Amos and Bob and Harold and uh, maybe a few others, I believe, that every year that during the Christmas time we take up in memory or in honor of uh, to give Bibles. And so we give $1,500, $1,600, $1,700 in that offering uh, on, a, on a normal offering that we give in the month of December in order to go for those who don't have Bible and they share the word around the world. And they've been doing this for a long, long time. And so we're thankful that we get to partner with the Gideon ministry. And if you have any questions about the Gideon ministry, please see Bob Reynolds, and he will help you out and tell you the ways that they are serving and the where they are sending the Bibles. And they were able this year when we gave out uh, some hot chocolate, it was, we were able to go to Bob's Drive-In and we was giving out uh, uh, some hot chocolate that afternoon. We was able to give away 55 Bibles just doing that. And so they do a marvelous ministry that we are thankful for the Gideon ministry. We want to pray for them today. Um, and then also, bags of individually wrapped candy for the Easter egg hunt is coming up. If you'd like to give, you can see at the doors you enter, you can give some of that individually wrapped candy. We will have an Easter egg hunt. It's going to be on Easter Sunday, right after the Sunday morning service. It's, it's not going to be long. You'll still have time to get to your dinners, to get to your families and all those kind of things. But directly after the Sunday morning service of Easter, which is April 17th, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. And so be preparing and looking for that. All right. Um, and then no services on the Wednesday night, April the 6th. We have spring break coming up. But if you'll stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed today. Thank you so much for being here in God's house. I pray God's richest and greatest blessings upon you. Um, may you be encouraged as you go out into this world today. Tyler, thank you so much for singing. We appreciate your heart and sharing. Would you mind closing us out in a prayer this afternoon?